governor for the flow of the Spirit is Christ. Like the crucified Christ is the source, is God's permission going, yep, I'm gonna give you my spirit, why? Because Christ. Now the way we receive it is we receive it of faith. What does that mean? It means that you have to believe that God wants to fill you with himself. (laughs) I don't believe God wants to fill me, okay then you're gonna try to get it some other way because here's what I wanna tell you, you were made for God. Um, So if you wanna open your Bibles to Galatians chapter two, verse 21. I'm going to read about, about 10 verses and then we're going to pray. Galatians 2, 21. Say amen when you're there. Uh-oh, going to wait a minute. I know you're just going to wait for it on the screen. I like the paper. Galatians 2, 21. Say amen when you're there. All right. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly, say publicly, portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain. Verse five, does he who supplies the spirit, say supplies the spirit. Wow. Does he who supplies the spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham Believed God. Say believed God with a smile on your face. Oh, man. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Last verse. So then, those who are of faith, say of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man 
of faith. Put your hand on your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask that you would come and you would illuminate your word to our hearts. God, I pray that you would take text and scriptures and verses, the deep things of God, Holy Spirit, we call upon your name, and that you would illuminate these things upon our hearts, God, that you would give us spiritual understanding. God, give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you tonight, God. We ask for a transformation of our mind by your spirit. In Jesus' name, God, I ask for every obstacle, every barrier, every hindrance, every blockage to the supply and flow of your spirit over every life, over every facet of every heart in this room, God, I pray there would be a great deliverance, God, a great coming down of the walls of Jericho, God, a great freedom that would come in this house by your spirit, and that Holy Spirit, you would flow. Holy Spirit, your supply and the working of miracles and your provision and your resource and your power would be poured out tonight. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Everyone said? Amen. 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 Um, So this is amazing, uh, amazing, rich uh, chunk of scripture here. And so I'm going to hope to unpack this tonight. We, um, as a church... Um, are in the midst of the great 50 days. Anyone know what the great 50 days are? Okay, so the early church from Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, all the way to Pentecost, they would celebrate 50 days of the resurrection of Jesus, all the way culminating uh, up to Pentecost, which will be May 23rd of this year. And I used to think, like, man, why do we, like, why does it matter to, like, you know, we celebrate Easter on, you know, around Passover, we celebrate Pentecost, you know, We don't really celebrate Pentecost. Upper room does because we're upper room. Amen. But how many of you grew up celebrating Pentecost? Okay, like seven of you. Um, It it says a lot of our faith and our understanding of the faith that we don't treat Pentecost with the same joy and celebration that we treat Easter. And I'm going to unpack that because Easter was under Pentecost. Without Pentecost, no one would ever know what happened at Easter. I'll say it again, without Pentecost, no one would ever know what happened at Easter. See, the resurrection of Jesus was, was, was consummated at Pentecost. And so what I, what I want to do tonight is I believe that, that the promise of the Holy Spirit is a really big deal. Amen? And, and, and oftentimes, I know we're in a culture that loves the Holy Spirit. We celebrate Holy Spirit. Um, I grew up in, and I didn't really know the Holy Spirit. And I'll share a little bit of my story tonight. But I believe the Christian faith can only be lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you, you feel a little bit just like tired tonight? And I know there's like 10 of you that told me you were tired, and so wave at me. You just feel a little tired. And so, like, we, we, we go through life, and I have five kids, and life will hit you, and you just get tired. Amen? Come on, wave at me. We're going to be real in church. If Paul can call his friends foolish, we can get real. Amen? Paul, Paul called these people foolish because he loved them. The strength of his rebuke was tied to the strength of his love. Amen? You don't rebuke people you don't love. You don't discipline people you don't love. You don't talk real hard and straight. And I want to talk straight in my heart tonight to you because I love you. And in my heart tonight as I was praying for you, I believe God wants to fill each of you individually with the Holy Spirit in a fresh way. 
Um, I, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, these are terms that can elicit all types of emotions. I know for, for many of you, you may have grown up hearing that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was all about tongues. Come on, wave at me if that was you. It's all about tongues. Let me tell you, it's, it's so much more than tongues. Amen? Um, and, and there was a whole group of people that said, if you're not baptized, if, the only way you know you're baptized in the Spirit is if you speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And so then a whole other group of people said, well, then I don't want this Holy Spirit because I have all that I need. I already have the Holy Spirit. Come on, y'all know that tension? And so that tension has created a division around one of the most, uh, one of the most amazing promises that we have in the Scripture. And the promise is this. The Father made a promise to you and me. And he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. This promise was so radical that Jesus Christ in the flesh tells his friends, he says, hey, it's better if I go. It's better if I go. Come again, Jesus, what did you say? How many of you would like Jesus in the flesh here tonight? Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, you were, now it would be a party. Right, oh, it would be a party then. Then I would kind of let myself go and I would really give myself over to him. But Jesus said, hey, I want to tell you something. I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you myself inside of you. Oh, y'all didn't get that. The promise of the Holy Spirit is so sacred. It's so holy. May we never become numb and accustomed. Oh, thank you, brother. I have the Holy Spirit. Oh, come on. Come on. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the supply of the Spirit. I believe in the ongoing giving of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that you get and move on in your Christian life. The entirety of your Christian life is by the Spirit. The reason there's so much, there's so much we struggle with sin is because we're not walking by. Because he says in Galatians, he says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, but for many of us, you think walking by the Spirit is something that you graduate to. Wrong. Walking by the Spirit is not for the mature. It's for the babiest of Christians. Oh, y'all aren't going to talk to me? Y'all are going to just sing and just sit there and look at me. Walking by the Spirit is for, is for baby Christians. It's a means to freedom. And so God gives you the Holy Spirit so you can walk by the Spirit so that you can no longer be enslaved to the desires of your flesh. So if you're struggling with your flesh, you need Holy Spirit. Because then you can finally walk by the Spirit. Now, for too long though, the giving of the Holy Spirit, encounter with the Holy Spirit, it's become this weird, like Russian roulette thing. Like how do I know that Holy Spirit's gonna touch me? Now listen, I... My brother's here. Wave. This is my brother, Andrew, my big brother. Y'all can thank him. He brought me to a charismatic conference back in 2006 before I knew anything about the Holy Spirit. He was the instigator. He's like, hey, let's go to this conference. And he was at law school. He encountered the Holy Spirit. He came back in 2005 on fire for God. He was like speaking in tongues. We praying for dinner. And he's like speaking in tongues. I'm like, what's coming out of his mouth, you know? And, but he was different, right? Like, my brother was different. And so we go to this conference, Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, Jack Taylor, and it was wild. It was like spring break, charismatic, like, they were wild, you know. And I grew up in the Bible church, and so I was used to a lot more subdued expression of worship. And so I get there, 
and, and people are worshiping, and I'm like, man, I'm like, I don't know if this is real. Come on. You ever been there? Like, like I don't know if this is really God. And, and so I really was in a wrestle, but I prayed this prayer. I said, God, if that's you, if these people have something that I don't have, and it's from you, I want it. And I said, but if, if this is them being emotional and hyper whatever, I'm like, I don't want it. I said, but if it's you, I want it. Come on. How many of you want all that God has for you? Uh-oh. So, so the next day, you, it was a healing conference, so you signed up for, um, you could get healing. And I thought that was pretty cool. And so, again, I was, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I was like, you can, you can do what? God can tell you secrets about, wait, what? <laughs> he can heal. He's still doing, I remember telling him, like, he's still doing this stuff. And so, I very innocently signed up for a healing time. I had partially torn my MCL pursuing my career in soccer. And uh, I thought, well, man, maybe God will heal my MCL and, and that would be awesome. But also at the time, I had a, a, an addiction uh, that was, you know, whatever. I'm, I see children in the room. I had this addiction in my heart. And so I was like, maybe I'll get deliverance for that too. Because it, it had been a source of shame and guilt and condemnation for many years of my life. And so on the healing sheet, you had to, you had to sign up. And, I, and so I put, like, what do you need healing for? And I was like, my knee. And then I put comma, heart. And, and I just put heart. I didn't really want to list the addiction because um, I didn't know if it was some sort of weird bingo where they were going to, like, call it out from the front. We're like, hey, the guy with lust, <laughs> the guy struggling with lust, come to the front, you know. <laughs> like, come on down. So I didn't know. And so I just put heart. And if they said my name, I was going to be like, yeah, I have a heart disease, you know, <laughs> And so anyway, so I go, I go back, and, and these people, they were awesome. They were lovely, amazing, and they began to pray for me. And, um, and I, had, I had encountered the presence of God before I, I had experienced deep abiding peace. I had experienced, like, some sort of weird, like, you ever feel, like, something on your face, like, where you feel tingling on your face, these weird, and I remember having moments in extended worship at, in high school where I would kind of feel these things from God, but I didn't know they were from God, you know, I didn't know what it was, and so, but I wasn't really familiar with um, what to do when the Holy Spirit comes, right? Like I didn't grow up in a Pentecost where you just, you know, fall down nicely and someone catches you and lays you down and puts a blanket on you. I didn't know about that. And so they, they started praying and, and I began to feel just like a slight like tremble, like in my knees, I started to feel like, man, I feel kind of heavier than usual, you know? And, and, and then in, this, in a moment, I was, I was there, I was present. It wasn't like God overtook, you know, everything. But it, it was as if my SIM card, the thing that was keeping it all together. Come on, how many of you know we all have like a SIM card? Like that thing that's like keeping it together for your neighbor and the one next to you. And like you start to feel that tremble in your deep gut. And you're like, oh, don't, don't do this. Right? Like, no, 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 not right now. And so I started feeling that. And I didn't know what that was. And I thought, you know what? I think this could be God. And so I gave myself to that tremble in my spirit. I gave myself to that tremble, and all of a sudden, I fell over on my back, not very pretty. I think it was like on my side, and, and I began to feel this, this current of electricity begin to flow into my hands, and I started laughing, and this woman's prophesying. This woman was like wild, y'all. She's, she's like, she like looked through me, this prophetess lady, and she was like casting out these demons, and she was, and I was like, okay. And I was like, I have demons? You know, I remember laying there, I was like, I didn't know I have demons. And, um, 
And so I'm laying there, though, in this power, this, this physical, I open my eyes, I'm laughing, speaking in tongues, and I'm looking, and my hands are like this. They're cringing because there's this power flowing through me. And it's going into my hands, into my chest, and all over my face, now all up and down my body. And it was this wild, wild experience. And for 45 minutes, I just laid under the weight of God's presence and his spirit. And, and I, I woke up, I, I, I say I woke up, I got up from that experience and I, I remember this man, he said, can you explain what just happened to you? I said, no sir, I can't. And, and it was so real. Listen to me, it was real. And it was, it was God, it was God coming and, and I knew God, but I didn't know God in that way. Come on, I I knew God, I knew God was real, I loved God, I had shared my faith with people, but I didn't know God like that, and something happened after March 6, 2006, something happened to me, it was like there was a, a power inside of me that wasn't me, like, like before I had willpower, right, I could like put the stake in the ground, how many of you put the stake in the ground, and you're like, I'm never going to do this thing again, <laughs> oh Lord, the stakes, if I had a dollar for every stake, I'd be rich. And, and, but all of a sudden, there was this different power inside of me that, that was just different. Like, I was like, I didn't have the same desires. I was more free. I was more alive. Like, I remember smiling. I saw a doorknob. I was like, that's the most amazing doorknob I've ever seen. I never did drugs, but I imagine it was like that. Like, I remember people joking about people are high on drugs. They're like, whoa, that's amazing. I felt that way. Like, everything was glorious. Everything was beautiful. Everything was, like, so innocent. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, like, like the sky was bluer in this. I could hear the birds. I remember seeing a little kid. I walked out of that, that healing room. The, the healing room had cleared out. And I walked out of there, and I, this kid saw me, and he just started laughing. I just smiled. He just started laughing. I was like, yeah, you know? And, and so, but I want to tell you something. Is that, that moment, that ecstatic encounter changed my life. It changed my life. I've been delivered from pornography for 15 years. Like delivered, like set free. Yeah, like freedom is possible. Oh, come on, church. Freedom is possible. There's these Goliaths in the church and we have theology that tells you that the first Adam and the sin that you inherited from first Adam is just going to be around all the time. Stop it. No, it's not. We have the Holy Ghost. We have Jesus. We have the living God on our side. And so I want to provoke you, but I know in this room, some of you are like, man, I want that. Some of you are like, ah, I've kind of had that, but, I, but, but now I may be in a, in a dry season. And so I want to tell you, though, I, in that moment, I had this encounter, but I didn't know that God wanted to continue to supply me with his spirit all the days of my life. It was so radical and so amazing, I rode on that encounter for years, like it was, it like sent me on a rocket and I was like, I'm never coming down. Like I will never come down. I was wheels off y'all. Like I was wheels off. I was running into 7-Elevens. Anything that moved, I was praying for it, prophesying over it. Like I had no, I had no grid. Like I was the people that freaked you out. Like I would just come get in your grill and I was just on fire because it was real, Amen. 
And so as I begin to walk with God, I realize that physical, tangible experience of his presence begin to wane. It began to subside. It began to, to like, and I, and I started wondering. I remember wondering. I said, God, I said, I want that same presence. I want that same thing that I felt because that thing was awesome. When I felt that, I could literally run through that wall. Like, it was just, am I, do y'all know what I'm, am I talking to y'all? Just wave at me. Are you there? Okay. So, so I, I set off on this journey, and I, and I realized something, though. I realized being at Upper Room, being in a culture of encounter, is that a lot of people, they long for encounter, but they don't necessarily understand God's design, God's conditions, God's environment, in the grounds with which he gives us his Holy Spirit. Like, how many of you have wrestled with the thought that that seems pretty arbitrary, seems pretty kind of like... God just picks and chooses when he wants to just zap someone. Can y'all be, uh, can we be real? Like, there's this feeling, this sense, like, I think if I were to ask this room, like, how many of you would like the fullness of God's spirit (laughs) flowing over you all the time? Like, you would like power encounter, and you would just like the ongoing supply to sustain you and to make you look like Christ all the days of your life. Like, can we just have a show of hands? Make sure we're on the same page. So, So this scripture is amazing to me because it's something we don't really talk about. I believe there is a condition to to receiving the supply of God's spirit. It's conditional. Like, let me say it this way. The plumbing in your house is conditional. It works when the conditions are right. And there's a testimony involved in this. When the conditions get really, really cold in Dallas... Your plumbing may have a tendency to stop working. Why? Is there anything wrong with your plumbing? Your plumbing could be perfectly fine. But when the conditions drop to sub-zero for five days, you come home on a Wednesday night really, really tired, ready to just go to bed, and you see water everywhere. And you think, it shouldn't be water in my house because it's freezing. And, and, and you realize that a pipe burst and broke and what the, the, the condition for a healthy pipe was altered and so all of a sudden now everything went wrong. And I feel like this happens in the church is we're just blindly sometimes going through going, God, I want more of your Holy Spirit. I, I want the power of God. I want you, but I don't necessarily am fully dialed in with the conditions of that happening. Are you with me? And so in this text, this is not a a, a new problem. This is a common age-old problem that the church has been wrestling with for years. And in this season of the great 50 days coming up into Pentecost, I felt in my heart God said, I want you you to open up and look at my conditions for people receiving the supply of the Spirit. And so here, here Paul begins to rebuke them, and he says this. He says, guys, listen, you, you're, you've gotten off here. Like, you started in the Spirit. You, re, you responded to the altar call. You received the Spirit. God did all these miracles among you. But, but all of a sudden, you turned away from that, and you went back to what you used to know. And you started, you started thinking that the supply of God's Spirit, that the lever was what you did. They thought that God would give them his spirit more and more and more based on what they did. 
You ever been there? Verse two, let me ask you this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And so there's a condition. There's a condition to this. If you try to receive God's spirit by what you do, what you're really doing is you're nullifying the grace of God and, and innocently but also tragically, you're living as if Christ died for no purpose. Think about that for a minute. If you try to get something from God that he promised to give you by faith, and you try to get it by works, what you're doing is you're breaking the design. You're breaking the contract. You're breaking the deal. You're saying, God, I know you promised me this, but I want it another way. Now, how many of you are guilty? I've been, I've been so guilty of that. Like, I remember hearing men of God who walked in the power of God, and it was like they woke up at 4 a.m., and they prayed in tongues three hours a day, and they, and they read these many chapters, and I was like, in my heart, I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to have that power. Come on, anyone ever done that? I'm going to do that, I'm going to have that power. And listen, I love doing things, I love imitating people that you love. Amen? Like God sees it and he's like, yeah, you know? But, but something goes awry when you begin to do thinking that you're going to get. Now listen, God promised you and I the Holy Spirit. He promised it. I want you to hear this. Faith cannot exist apart from a promise. God made a promise. He said, hey guys, I promise you. I promise you, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. It's better that I go away. I need you to stay in Jerusalem. This is the 40th day. Jesus starts levitating on the Mount of Olives. Just up he goes. It was awesome. How many of you would like to be there? Seeing Jesus just gravity stop working on him. He just whoop, up he goes. And, and he's like, they're like, oh my gosh. He literally just levitated into the clouds. And the angels are like, why are, you, why are you so amazed? And he had told them, I want you to stay until what? Until you receive the promise of the Father. Amen? So God the Father makes a promise to humanity and he says, I promise you, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit, but there's this time period you're gonna have to wait. And many of us, we get stuck in between the promise and the fulfillment and we don't know what to do. And so we don't know how to wait, we don't know how to tarry, and we face challenges in that season that I want to equip you to deal with, okay? Are you with me? So turn to Romans 4. So we're going to look at the father of our faith. And, and, and Galatians 3 speaks to it. But I want you to see this. Romans 4, we're going to start in 18. Now this is all about, we're jumping way into the deep end of the pool, so you're going to just, we're going to just hop in here, okay? Abraham, Abraham received a promise from God. What was the promise? Descendants, but specifically, what was the promise? A, he would have a son, right? He said, hey, you're going to have a son. I'm going to bless you. And in you, in your nations, through your loins, all nations will be blessed. Now, Abraham was super old. <laughs> and Sarah was super barren. And so you've got this tremendous tension in this moment that every single one of us faces, I believe, every single day. 
you have the tension of the promise of God held up against your reality. Like you walked into this room with circumstances. You walked in with feelings. You walked in with history. You walked in with a view of God. You walked in with with a framework of what God was going to do tonight. Every single one of you. Some of you were aware, okay, God's going to move. Some of you just like, which church? It's Friday. It's Sunday night. We're going to go to church. Like we all came in with something. And, and when we're walking through life, God interrupts life with a promise. And this is what I want to tell you. I believe God has promised us the Holy Spirit. And that promise, should, it should do something to us. That promise should wake us up. That promise should, should cause us to, to kind of stop and evaluate what's happening. Because God, the living God, said, hey, I'm your dad. I'm your father. And the baptism and the giving of the Holy Spirit is my promise to you through my son. And I believe this promise is the most paramount issue of this hour. Like you say, Peter, what's happening in our nation? What's happening in the church? I believe we need a massive baptism of the Holy Spirit with all of my heart. I, 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 not just a baptism, but we need understanding as to how God wants to supply Christians with the Holy Spirit so that when we face hostility, when we face racism, when we face political crisis, when we face divorce, when we face LGBTQ things coming, that we actually respond as sons and daughters of God who've been filled with God, who will overcome everything that comes our way. Why? Because we're more than overcomers and conquerors in him. And the only way we're going to experience all those crazy radical promises of the new covenant is by the Spirit. And you say, but Peter, I'm experiencing some of that. Yes, we are. I believe we've tasted it. I believe we're, we're in it. I believe we're in the river. I believe we're, we're seeing God move. But here's my cry. Here's something deep inside. Like, we need more. Like, like there's 7.8 billion people on this planet. We need a massive outpouring of God's spirit. And I believe we need to be unified in our understanding of how and why God will give us his spirit. Amen? And if we don't have understanding, here, this is why I'm I'm taking my time. If you don't have understanding, you can unintentionally nullify the grace of God and the promise of God. Think about that. You can, I'm not saying we do it maliciously. No one would say, I want to nullify the grace of God and live as if Christ died for no purpose. I lived years of my life doing that and I had no idea. I was trying to live the Christian life without the spirit of God because I wasn't doing it God's way. I wasn't doing it of faith. Amen? And so, so watch this, Romans 4, 18. Abraham, you're going to be a dad. Okay. Says this, in hope, he believed against hope. That he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. Verse 19. He did not weaken in faith when he considered, say considered, his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered, say considered, the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced, say fully convinced. Oh my goodness. 
that God was able, say God was able, to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And it goes on to say that the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Hallelujah. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus from the dead, uh, from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. I want you to see this. This is, this is so, so important. Abraham received a promise, and the promise confronted his reality. Do you understand this? The promise did not make sense with what he saw, with his perception, with his lens, with his view of life. He, his body was old. Say old. Do you know why his body was old and as good as dead? It was old because of Adam. He was old because of Adam. A hundred wasn't old before Adam. He was old because of Adam. And so what Abraham did, I believe the first obstacle we have to face as we, as we say, God, you're going to give me the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe God is a good giver? How many of you believe he's, he's going to give us the Holy Spirit? See, we believe that, but we don't receive it. And here's why. There's a difference between God giving freely and you and I receiving it. The receiving of this gift is the most staggering, mind-blowing. Like, it requires God to receive God. Oh, you didn't hear that. You need God to receive God. You need God to receive the promise of God. You can't receive the promise of God in your own strength. And so Abraham had to do something. Abraham had to consider his own self. Now see, some people think faith is just turning a blind eye to reality. Well, no, I, I got it, brother. It's mine. I'm, that promise is mine. Well, yeah, but you, your bank account's negative. And when I'm not looking at that, I got a, God said I'd have 10,000 by, and it, yeah, but have you considered Have you considered what's in there? See, faith isn't just going, well, let me not look at reality. Oh, come on. Faith isn't just closing your eyes and going, let's not pretend it's there. Faith is considering. It says he considered. You ever considered something? Consider buying a car? What do you do? You circle that thing. I believe Abraham got this promise, and God said, hey, you're going to have a son. You're going to be blessed. And he, like, goes, and I don't know that they had mirrors And he's looking at himself. He's like, man, I'm old. (laughs) He's shaking his head. He's like, I'm so old. He's like pondering this promise. Like he's, he's like, but I'm old. And he's considering it. All of a sudden, something inside of him, in his considering his oldness, he's like, but God promised. Wait a minute. God promised. God has ability that I don't have. Wait a minute. God has ability that I don't have. And so he's considering his oldness, and in the considering of his oldness, he gets this, he's reminded of who God is, the nature of God. And here's what Abraham didn't do. He didn't stumble over his nature when he thought about God's nature. And this is our struggle This is our struggle. This is, I believe, one of the number one issues with us not receiving an ongoing supply of God's spirit is we consider, we consider the parts of our life that have come from the first Adam. 
We consider those areas of our life where like, like, I don't know that I'm qualified to receive the Holy Spirit tonight. Come on, how many of you, when I shared my testimony, be honest with me, you were like, I want that. Many of us, we question whether we're worthy of that. We think, I don't know. I don't know if God would do that with me. And you've got to consider, you've got to consider yourself and say, would God, would God violate his promise? Would God break his promise to you based on your weakness? Based on your insufficiency? Is God going to break his promise to you and me? Just because we're inadequate and we've identified with Adam in some kind of way. And we're like, man, but I'm, I'm really struggling with depression right now. I'm really struggling with, with self-hatred. I'm really struggling with, I just haven't really got my act together. I'm really struggling with anger. Man, I'm just, I know there's things God asked me to do. And, and we, get, we get in this law thing, right? We're like, God's asked me to do this and I haven't done it. And so, ah. And what happens is we begin to consider those parts of us that seem incapable of receiving this precious gift. And we disqualify ourselves from the promise prematurely because in our own judgment, we think, well, God surely wouldn't give me this promise because I look at me. He goes on and he says this. It says, then he also considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. (laughs) He's looking at his wife. I don't think he said this out loud because he was a man of wisdom. But he was thinking, man, she's old. <laughs> he, was, he was looking at her. He said, what are you looking at? Nothing. <laughs> what are you looking at? Why are you looking at me that way? Nothing. In his mind, he's like, she's old. What did God say? I don't, don't want to tell you. <laughs> and he's considering it. He's like, man, she's old. She's so barren. How can, how can that womb carry something so sacred to me? How can her womb carry something so sacred? That womb is barren. How many of you feel like you've been given too many chances? You're like, oh, too many. I, I, I lost my chances. You feel spiritually you've been defiled, like you had a chance. You were awakened. You were enlightened, and that, man, that window's passed. And in that way, I think we think of ourselves as spiritually barren. Because, listen, it is your spirit and God's spirit that collides at Pentecost. Like your womb, your spiritual womb is, is what houses Jesus. It's where, it's where righteousness dwells your womb like like Mary the virgin she's she's got a virgin womb and Christ comes and dwells in her womb and it's a picture of the new covenant Christian is your spiritual womb is cleansed by the blood of Jesus and he cleanses your womb and spiritually you become now capable of housing God oh my goodness That's what righteousness is. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And it was the righteousness of faith that led him to the fulfillment of the promise. We want to be a people of faith. We want Abraham to be our father, right? 
says, Abraham is your father. If you are those of faith, then this supply of God's spirit and the working of miracles and signs and wonders and all the things, they flow by the spirit through Christ. I want you to hear me. Like, we should be having a party right now. Like, like the, the, the governor for the flow of the spirit is Christ. Like, the crucified Christ is the source is God's permission going, yep, I'm going to give you my spirit. Why? Because Christ. Now, the way we receive it is we receive it of faith. What does that mean? It means that you have to believe that God wants to fill you with himself. <laughs> I don't believe God wants to fill me. Okay. Then you're going to try to get it some other way because here's what I want to tell you. You were made for God. You, you have this deep thing inside of you that craves God. Like you were wired for God to be all up in your business. And not just like, well, I'm just, I think I'm aware of God. Like I'm talking about like the living God, like possessed. We need people possessed with God. I'm telling you the tame thing, the, 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 the thing where you show up and like, I didn't, I forget who I was talking to. They said, I said, um, I didn't know. They said something like, I didn't know they were a Christian. Can you, I didn't know they were a Christian. Someone said that about someone. They're like, I didn't know they were a Christian. And I'm like, oh, may it never be said of us. Someone you work with, I didn't know you were a Christian. <sighs> like, no. Why? Not, not because you're just out there and loud and I'm a Christian, you're wearing the t-shirt, but because you're possessed by God. Because when you, when you look at them, when you smile, when you walk into a room, something else walks in with you. Why? Because you're a temple of the living God. And so I, I, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I know we're getting close. I want to I take the last 15 minutes and just, and just pray. But I believe God wants to fill us tonight. I, I do with all of my heart. Like, like Pentecost has happened. I know we can wait for Pentecost and do this thing. But listen, there is a, there is a, there is a crossroads, I believe, before us that God is placing before us. If you have been living if you have been living according to the law, a system of do's and don'ts, you need to repent tonight. You're, you are stunting your spiritual growth. And you say, Peter, how do I know I'm living by the law? Sin is dominating your life. Your flesh is loud, and when you look for Christ, you don't, it's hard to find. And this was the two challenges Abraham had, and he did something, and we're going to do this tonight. It says this. He considered his own body in the barrenness of Sarah's womb. I want you to take, as they begin to play, I want you to take a few minutes, and I want you to consider every reason tonight. Say tonight. Do you guys know I'm talking about tonight? There was a real moment when I hit a real carpet, and I was really tased by God. And I want you to, I want you to think, you're like, well, Peter, I didn't want to do this tonight. Okay, but, but God's here. <laughs> and he made a promise to us. And I want you to think of every reason, I, I'm asking, you may write it down, every reason why tonight God cannot fill you with his power and his precious Holy Spirit. You can get your phone out, they're going to begin to play something softly, and I want you to consider your own barrenness, every reason. And just ponder, why, why would God, why would he not touch you tonight? Why would he not fill you to the fullness? Why would he not overwhelm you? Is it your dignity? 
Is it your past? Is it what you think might happen to you if God fills you that way? Just take a few minutes. Don't look away from it. I want you to look right, right at it, right at that source of shame, right at that source of where you feel guilty, where you feel afraid. That's another way of putting it. You, you have, I'm afraid right here. What will people think of me? What would people think of me if I just became undignified and I let God touch me the way that he really wanted to touch me. I'm not saying every encounter looks the same. But you know when God comes. Some of you may not even be in touch with that desire. Even as I'm talking, you may even feel like, man, I don't even feel hungry for God. I just feel numb. I feel numb towards him. I feel so disconnected from everything he's saying even if that's you bring your numbness to God bring your apathy to God just tell him with your lips just tell him the reasons just for a minute God I don't man this doesn't look good I look barren I'm old I've been frustrated I haven't been walking straight it was before your very eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was slain to take away your sins, to wash you, to forgive you, to cleanse you from the inside out. Every excuse we could make to God for why He should not fill us with Himself, every excuse, every offense, every weakness, everything in our past, present, and future, every obstacle, every yeah but was consumed by the blood of Jesus at the cross. And when you believe that, when you accept that to be true, something happens inside of you. Is It's counted to you as righteousness. Just stay right here with me. I'm, I'm ministering to you. Just stay with me as you're considering these things. As you, as you hold Jesus up in your, in your heart, in the, in the eyes of your heart, you see the blood of Jesus, you see the cross, and you compare that with your notes of why he shouldn't fill you. And when you trust and believe that that cross and that blood is sufficient for every demon, every stronghold, every yoke, every barrier, when you say, okay, that's enough, God. That's enough to make me right with you, to cleanse me, to wash me, and to make my spiritual womb an acceptable dwelling place for you. Come on, just let him do it right now, in your heart. His spirit is here. And he wants you to know that he delights to dwell inside of you. That your temple is his home. Your physical 
mortal body is unlike anyone else's. That you're, like you are precious real estate to God just because he filled me. Oh, oh, but you're different. You're altogether different. And when you receive that, that gift of righteousness, when, when you allow God to count you as righteous, something happens, and I want you to know this, you have peace fill your heart. All of a sudden, confidence comes. All of a sudden, you get convinced in God's ability. And your inability starts feeling really, really small. And the Bible says this. It says that no belief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. How? As he gave glory to God as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able. And so tonight, I want you to stand to your feet. We're gonna give glory to God together. And as we do, as we do, I believe there's gonna be just a, a corporate release of faith in this reality. How many of you know we just need, we need more of the Holy Spirit? Come on, if that's you, if in your heart you're in touch with that desire, you're saying, God, I need you. Come on, come on, just put it on your lips. Just present yourself on the altar before God. This is not something we can, we can't strong arm into God. He made a promise in God tonight. We say, we hold your promise up to you. You promised us, God, you are able to fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, you're able to do it. Oh, God, we repent of unbelief tonight, this moment, God. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day we want to be possessed with you, God. Not tomorrow, not six months from now, not on May 23rd, God, tonight. Oh, come on, don't wait, church. Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. Seek God while he may be found. Call upon his name, Jesus. Just say Jesus. Jesus, open yourself up.